You know, in today's gospel, we glimpse Jesus move from frustration to prayer and praise and then to grace. And perhaps that's a really useful life coping pattern for us to notice. If you, like me, have been frustrated as you look around at the inequities of our world, at the inappropriate response by others to the heart-wrenching issues, then this gospel lesson is for you. Of course, Jesus actually does see clearly and with a whole lot less bias than some of my self-righteous frustration. But still, the pattern to move from frustration to prayer and praise to grace could help me grow. Jesus' particular frustration in this scene is over this stubborn group of religious leaders who are unwilling to see God's amazing invitation, an invitation to come back to him with their whole heart to change. We learn that nothing pleases these people. They respond negatively, even apathetically, to the dawning of the God-sent messenger. Jesus equates these religious elites to frumpy, spoiled children who will not be moved to dance when the flute is played at a wedding and who will not cry with mourners at a funeral. At this point in the gospel story, John the Baptist has been imprisoned for speaking truth to power. And Jesus is confronting the complicit calling them out and trying to for trying to derail the father's work of sending the long-awaited messiah and his forerunner onto the scene jesus names it these malcontents who want to protect their power base they sit around in the public market spaces trying to sway public opinion on the one hand they criticize john the baptizer for his asceticism he's all gloom and doom wearing weird clothes and calling people to repent so they label him a demon, saying Jesus was just the opposite. He's inviting everybody to a feast. He eats with and drinks with, with drunks. So they declare him a glutton and a drunkard. I imagine Jesus was feeling, well, gosh, we're damned if we do and damned if we don't. These so-called shepherds, they're blind guides who don't cry or dance. So Jesus takes out his frustration to the Father in prayer. And it's in that intimate company with the Holy One where Jesus praises the creator of heaven and earth, seeing again with his Father's eyes, seeing that God is in fact at work in all these situations, that the mysteries of the kingdom will be hidden from the arrogant while divine love is being poured into those who seek the truth, to the lowly and the wearied, it's in prayer where Jesus' concerns are sorted out and he's encouraged to keep on keeping on. His mission of casting vision of the Father's coming kingdom, of mercy, of union, of a new day, is good news to those who feel exhausted and excluded by all the 613 dictates of the law that the religious elite have laid upon them, 
Later on, Jesus will call out these hypocrites saying they categorize others as sinners while they're doing all the surfacey things of righteousness. Saying, you know, like they're enjoying the salutations of the marketplace. They enjoy the first place at the table, the long robes, the wide phylacteries. They tithe mint and dill, but have neglected the weightier matters of the law. So perhaps it's in prayer where Jesus is given the confidence to understand that it's the little ones who will be able to receive the revelation. A child mind contrasted to the puffed up and learned mind is still eager and open. A child mind is not defensive or cluttered or attached to opinions, but is rather relational. A child mind certainly is not limited to a child. Rather, this is the cognizance when souls are open and ripe for revelation. The best example that I know of this child mind took place here several months ago. It's when I witnessed Charlotte Strickland. She's a couple years old, and, and I can't really remember the occasion But we had red helium-filled balloons in here and in the parish hall. And so I remember seeing Charlotte um, holding her mom's hand, and they were coming into the parish hall. And you know, Charlotte and I, we have this sort of special bond. And so she lit up when she first saw me. And then she looked over and started to cry, and she pointed to this red balloon that had broken loose from its anchor, and it was stranded against the ceiling. Well, her mom eventually consoled and distracted her, and they made their rounds all around the, you know, the parish hall visiting everybody. But Charlotte, on her own, made her way back to that spot underneath the stranded balloon. And she stood there and looking up to it, and all of a sudden, the balloon gently floated down on her head. Such joy, such an open heart. Such a love energy release that it compelled that object to come to her. The picture on the cover of your bulletin is Charlotte resting easy in the company of her family and with her balloon as they went home. I've mulled over that situation quite a bit. Obviously, little Charlotte's love is open, more pure, less jaded than ours. But I also think that her readiness for revelation, her longing for relationship, gives God pleasure. It is God's gracious will to pour divine love into his children. And when his children are eager for it, the Father is profoundly affirmed. I'm sure that God does want people to be good and just. But the real work of the Father is not exhorting us to virtue. He knows we're on a journey. We will grow. We get it right and we get it wrong. Nothing ever separates us from the love of God. But the thrilling essence of the Father is pouring life and love into us, his children. God's love is ever patient and gracious, waiting on us to be available. And it's when we receive his pleasure, then we begin to walk 
in goodness and justice more naturally. Rules don't motivate transformation. Only love draws us further on. And so in this gospel scene, after Jesus, God's child, has received his father's divine pleasure, that's when he invites us to grace. In that well-beloved verse, come to me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. And not only does this invitation appeal to our sense of weariness, but it also reminds us of who God is. God is parent in all the best ways. God holds his arms wide open. Come to me. Come to me, child. I am here and ready for you. And yet Jesus is not offering a temporary soothing. No, this is not come and lay your your head in my lap, but rather come. Let's yoke up together. Jesus gets it. Life is hard. Something, sometimes life is so overwhelming with so many difficult people and difficult situations. So yes, these are the verses where we really need to hear right about now. In the midst of a pandemic with all sorts of havoc ripping through our days, Jesus, who is the invisible excuse me, who is the visible, living portrait of God, invites us to a life that's partnered and sustainable in all the fields we're invited to to plow. Who knew? We weren't meant to carry all the load all by ourselves. In fact, the Lord of the mission appeals to the child mind saying, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble of heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus is not only willing to walk every step of the way with us, but in meekness, gentleness, and humility, he longs to teach us the why and the how. Yes, there is substantial work to be done both on ourselves and in this world, work that ushers in the new day of God's mercy and justice for all. So today, we are graciously invited into this work of relationship with the one who loves us more than anything. And it's in that mutual, intimate relationship with the Holy One who has a much higher horizon that we receive a different and renewable energy source. Like Jesus, we will still face name callers, those on top who are happy to maintain their privilege at our expense, but we're also given Jesus' rejuvenative pattern. As he too, we can do what he did. We can move from frustration to prayer and praise to finally arrive at grace. His yoke of meekness and humility is easy because it actually fits our truest nature. It puts us in this posture of receiving divine love, being poured into our gas tanks. Ultimately, the thing I treasure about Jesus' revelation of God is this. It's not just us puny humans desperately looking up and grasping for the help of this hidden God, but rather we discover that it's a God who actually searches for us first 
And out of pure love, he calls to us to come to him. Almost like Charlotte, if we're just open, the red balloon of love will inexplicably come down and light upon us. And poof, rest for the weary. This is some good news.